Hi, I'm Courtney. And I'm Patrick. And this is our true crime podcast. Evil Pudding. We are a husband and wife duo. I'm ex-military and law enforcement. And I'm a true crime professional fanatic. And we will together <laughs> will cover the most depraved and most shocking offenders and events that you probably have ever heard of. That's right. Only the most evil are covered here. So join us once a week. As we serve up some evil pudding. I'm Carmen. And I'm Joanna. And this is Live, Laugh, Murder. Yes. Boom, boom, psh. Joanna, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? I am very excited. And our listeners, we have a surprise for you. You are reversing roles today. We always have a twist, but today's twist is Joanna's telling the story. Oh, and I'm so excited, Yay! but I'm nervous. It's so exciting. I'm so proud of you. So everybody, we have to blow this up for Joanna. Oh my gosh. Ooh, it Listen, was so- share, rate, review, a thousand stars. Please. Oh, please. And be kind. This was... Not easy for me. It took me like three days. I had emailed or called Carmen and I was like, how do I do this? Well, you're going to do wonderful. (sighs) I'm excited. So we were switching up. So I have a Florida man story for you. Yes, I'm excited. And I have a mimosa that you poured me and it's amazing and huge. I know. That's (laughs) how I do it. How much orange juice to champagne ratio? Wafting the orange juice. (laughs) I opened the container in the same room. And the scent came in and that's all we need. All right. Well, that's amazing. Okay. So are you ready for my Florida man? I'm ready. This is actually a story that was quite well known, but it's been 10 years. So I think it's worth mentioning for our Gen Z listeners. Okay. Because they might not know that this happened. 10 years ago. Yeah, it's from 10 years ago. Okay, go. But it's... I think you're going to know it the second I say it. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to read the title like you do till at the end. Okay. Okay. This took place in Miami, May 29th, 2012. Here we go. Miami police suspect that what caused a 31-year-old man to rip off his clothes <gasps> oh. and viciously <laughs> gnaw on the face of another man in a daylight attack on a busy highway is a new and extremely dangerous street drug known as... Bath salts. Bath salts. Yes. A Miami police officer shot Rudy Eugene Saturday after repeated pleas for him to stop eating another man's <laughs> face. His demands were met with only growls. Yeah. Eugene continued, and it took four bullets to kill and finally stop him as witnesses watched in horror. <sighs> According to police, little remained of the victim's face, with 75% of it eaten away. <gasps> Rendering him almost unrecognizable. Listen to this. One source says that all that remained, oh my God, was blood and the victim's goatee. Oh, so he died? Yeah, the victim died and the bath salt man was shot and killed. Gosh, I forgot about bath salt. I know. And out of respect for the victim, his name was Ronald Popo. I Forgive me if I said that wrong. And the title of this article from ABC News, Face Eating Attack Possibly Prompted by bath salts authorities suspect <laughs> we're, not, we're not sure i know see do you remember i feel like we need our next generation to be up to date on yeah, on the news all the craziness that uh, happened i know and it's really scary and i remember seeing like footage of that on the news yes. a long time ago yes and it's horrible anyway so joanna 
You ready, girl? I'm ready. I get to sit back, relax, drink my mimosa, and listen to you tell me a fabulous story. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, please be kind. Um, This is a story that I wanted to share with you all and Carmen, but I really struggled with writing it. It was just the whole getting started. And you gave me some really good pointers, and you're like, just get your thoughts down, and then just go go with it. Yes. It took me three days to write and edit, and so I hope you like it. Well, let's hear it. I'm so excited. Let's go, girl. Okay. So, this is a story of love gone wrong. And it takes place in the winter of 2007 in the Midwest in win- in February. Hmm. Thoughts. I was in college. Okay. My final semester, February 07. Mm-hmm. What state did you say? I just said the Midwest. Okay. I- I'm from the Midwest, so I had yeah. to find a story or a news article that was Midwest. Yeah, I like that. And All right, I'm ready. My Google search it was pretty horrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody check our Google please searches, please. Please do not please. look. Okay. Yeah. And it's so it's cold. It's Midwest. It's cold. Yes. February. So let me introduce to you the two characters in our story. Tara Lynn Grant. Okay. And Stephen Grant. If you've already heard this, do not nope. give away any <laughs> details. Nope. Um, okay. So like I said, the story takes place in 2007, but I'm going to take you back to the late 90s. Okay. Okay. So Tara and Steven, they met in college, and they were just your typical college students that fell in love. They went to college football games. They really enjoyed their dorm life. And Tara was really, really into art. So much so that when it came time to propose, Steven took her to her favorite art museum and proposed there. That's really beautiful. Super sweet, right? I feel like this is going to turn really bad really fast. Well, love gone wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, live, laugh, murder. Murder. Yeah. Okay. Tara, she graduated in 1994. From college. Yes, college. With a marketing degree and got herself a temp job at a company called Washington Group International, which is based out of Boise, Idaho. Okay. So still the Midwest, I think. I think well, Idaho is in the Midwest. They have now. potatoes. But <laughs> does that make a Midwest? <laughs> Anyways, but she was able to stay where she was because her job required her to travel a lot. Tara was very well liked at her job and was hired on as a full-time employee shortly after she started. Awesome. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Power move. Power move. She quickly climbed the top uh, to the career ladder at this company and soon became the breadwinner of the family. Good for her. Yeah. I wonder how her man felt about her being the breadwinner. I'm going to tell you. Oh. Stephen did not graduate. Okay. And he ended up working at his father's machine shop. Hmm. So, not as successful. Mm-hmm. Stephen, not going anywhere in his job, slowly started to resent Tara. And we all know what happens with resentment in a relationship. Yeah, it doesn't end well. It does not. So, Stephen. Stephen. Stephen sounds like a tiny dick man. And it's with a PH. Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> Hashtag um, M cubed. Yeah. We love you, Sam and Paige. Keep going. Tara's job. Tiny Dickman. Yes. Tara's job required her to travel a lot. There were some weeks where she would have to leave late Sunday or early morning and she wouldn't get back till Friday evening. Yeah, that's a lot of time away from yeah. your significant other. And this went on for years. Okay. And the resentment just continued to grow. And just like every couple, American couple, they wanted to start a family. Right. Eventually. So they did. And they had a daughter, Lindsay, in 2000. And they had a son, Aww. Ian, in 2003. Okay. Tara loved her children. Aww. Even though she was gone, she loved them. They would have amazing birthday parties, and she just loved watching her children open up presents. Oh, that's yes. sweet. But now the traveling has gotten 
more and more, and she's gone more. So she realized that they needed to hire an au pair. An au pair. An au pair. Yes. Aw. It's not aw. I've been saying aw. No, that's okay. It's I learned about this word not that long ago. It's au pair and it's a nanny. Like a live-in nanny. It's a nanny. Okay. Um, And her name was Verena. Verena? Yep. She was 19 and was from Germany. Oh, God. Oh, no. A 19-year-old little girl. I don't like this. Coming to stay with the family. Coming to stay with the husband. The husband, yes. And Hmm. he was... See, they they were both in their 30s at this time. Okay. At this time. That's funny. Stephen became more and more resentful of Tara traveling and for, uh, and her being absent from home. She, some claim Stephen was feeling emasculated yeah. because his wife was so successful and he was not enjoying his role as a stay-at-home dad. Oh, so he was a stay-at-home dad at this yeah. point. I mean, yeah. I mean, he worked at his dad's shop, but it was more like just But like he was the main caretaker of the gig. children. Yeah, and they were young. to be away, right. They were young. Okay. Um, Stephen claimed that he was a better mom than Tara. He would take her, take the kids to swim and soccer practices uh-huh. and, you know, any school events. So he basically is living off of her financially mm-hmm. and probably enjoying that aspect, mm-hmm. but blaming her and downing her at the same time because she's not there. Yes. He 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 doesn't like, he. you can't have both in mm-hmm. that situation. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and he so basically she he was doing everything while she was gone traveling all over the country all over the country. Okay. Then he started to seek attention from other women just to make himself feel better. Yeah, I'm sure that didn't start then, including the au pair. Oh, of course, Verena. Verena. Yeah. Now let me take you to the night of February 9th, 2007. Okay. It was a Friday. Where were you? <laughs> You're <laughs> I know stealing you like to my do line. That. I, know. <laughs> I was, yes, I was a, my spring semester, my last year in college. Oh, I was my last year in college too. No, no, I was done with college. In yes, 2006. you're a year ahead of me. Yes, yes. I know our, where I was. Oddly what? enough, like exactly, my parents were getting ready to leave for Hawaii, and my sister and I, we were home for a whole week. So while you were gallivanting in Michigan with your sister, and while I was gallivanting in Tampa in my last year of college, mm. what the fuck were they doing? These people? Yeah. Oh, I'm about what to was tell Stephen you. and Verena doing? Oh, I will tell you. Yeah, all that's of what this. I want to know. On February 9th, 2007, which was a Friday, like I said, Tara returned home from a work trip from Puerto Rico. Hmm. Ooh, Puerto Rico! Tara and Steven started arguing Uh because Tara was supposed to leave Sunday for Puerto Rico again because she had a meeting Monday morning. So Friday and then leaving, Friday evening and then leaving Sunday. Okay, so very short trip home and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, The fight was so bad that Tara decided she had enough. She Mm -hmm. made a phone call and a few minutes later she got into a car and never came back. Never came back? Never came back. For the rent? Fast mm-hmm. forward to Valentine's Day. That was February 9th. Mm-hmm. So five days later. Okay. Tara was still not home, nor did she report to work. So Stephen. She did. never went to Puerto Rico? Mm-mm. Oh, shit. So Stephen, doing <clears throat> what most concerned husbands would do, he called um, the police to file that she was missing, report that she was missing. Uh-huh. Stephen told the police that he tried to call her multiple times and leave her messages, but he never heard from her. And this was not like her. No. No. Stephen was being very cooperative and spoke with the media over the next two weeks while they searched for his missing wife. This drew a lot of attention to the case of his missing wife. I mean, yeah. So I just, I want to know more about Verena, but I don't, I feel like it's coming. Okay. 
Okay. People were out looking for his wife, but came up empty-handed. Yeah. She gone. Yeah. At this moment... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. However, the police saw a different side of Stephen. Okay. While he thinks he's being cooperative, he's coming off as extremely nervous, and the more questions the police ask, the more nervous he got. This reminds me of Chris Watts. I'm getting Chris Watts vibes. Oh, have to tell me that. Oh, our <clears throat> listeners, y'all know about Chris Watts. This is, okay, keep Ooh, going. Interesting. At this moment, they had no suspects. They thought she had thrown in the towel and just disappeared. At one point, they thought the au, au pair, sorry, mm-hmm. could have been involved. Yeah. Um, they confirmed that Stephen and Verena started a relationship. Shit. Just a month prior to Tara's disappearance. Wow. Yep. How did, do you know how they confirmed that? She was, they said that she was out and about the night. Verena was? Yeah. She came back and she was like, What Did like the neighbors know that they were like hooking up on the side? Do you know? But the cops found out. Yes. Well, because they found, I think I said previously that he started like contacting other women. So I think these women were like, hey, missing wife, he's reaching out to me. Oh, and this is 07. So Verena's from Germany Mm -hmm. and she was 19. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. This, the nanny, come on. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, yes. So, Verena was not a suspect at all. Stephen started to become more irritated with the investigation and became less cooperative with the police. But hmm. he continued on with the press. This made the police even more suspicious of him. Hmm. So, the police started searching airports and hospitals, really anywhere they can think of. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did would do if <clears throat> I couldn't hear from you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I would search everywhere. Um, They even searched behind Steven's home because their house, like, backed up to some woods. Oh, So, like, it was a wooded area. In in Idaho, right? No, no. She worked... The the company was based out of out of Idaho. Okay, Idaho. but they where were they living? Midwest. Okay, in the Midwest. That's right. So you there's said that. wooded areas. Yeah, but again, they kept on coming up empty-handed. The police were starting to get so frustrated, and they were getting nowhere. But then one day in March, they had their first big breakthrough. So March. I told you that. Yeah. So so a month like later, a, two weeks. Oh shit! So remember, I told you how Stephen's backyard backs up to woods. Yes. Well, the woods lead into like a park. Okay. And there's like walking paths. Right. So someone was out enjoying a brisk walk in the morning. In the morning, like I said, sorry, and stumbled onto a bag. A bag. A bag. A duffel bag. A trash bag. Plastic a bag. Plastic bag. What do you think was in it? Oh, it's <sighs> his wife. The bags contained human blood. Oh. Plastic gloves and bags and metal shavings. What are metal shavings? Like if you're working in a machine shop. Oh, oh, but nobody. Nobody, no, nothing yet. This led the police. Why wouldn't uh, he burn it? What a fucking moron! <laughs> this, okay, this led the police into obtaining a search warrant for Stephen's house. Yeah, and his father's machine shop. Oh, because the shavings that were found in the bag could have been the shavings from his father's shop. Mm-hmm. So, while the when the police arrived at Grant's home. To, with a search warrant, he he asked the police if he could walk his dog. And as he walked his dog, the police noticed a fairly large bag in the garage that wasn't there when they first searched his house. Okay, so the police are there, and he's like, "Hold up, guys! Yeah, I gotta walk my dog, yeah. and then we'll chat. I gotta go. I gotta go get my dog. Yeah, mm. dog taken care of. <clears throat> um, so they found a bag that wasn't in there the first time they searched. Okay, what do you think it was? It's her. I think it's her body. It was a fully clothed <gasps> torso. Oh! 
A torso. A torso. Jo- <laughs> Joanna's showing me Just with her hands from the neck to the hips. And it was Tara. Oh, clothed. Yeah, fully clothed. I mean, obviously just a so shirt. How do you cut off someone's waist? Like what? Oh, he worked in a machine mm-hmm. shop. Did he have a gauntlet in there? <laughs> like no, a gauntlet is when you run through. That's a guillotine. A guillotine. Did he have a guillotine in there? A gauntlet. Uh, so the police are waiting for Grant to come back, but he didn't. He did oh, not come what? back. Why the hell would they allow him to go walk his exactly. dog? Um, he never came back. So right. while Stephen was out walking his dog, he called up a buddy and asked to borrow his truck. And he drove like a bat out of hell. He just left. Left. Damn. Got in his car. I don't know. And I tried to do some research on the dog, but I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I what was, happened? I was thinking, like, who was the dog? What was his name? What kind of dog? Anyway. Or, I'm thinking, like, Golden Retriever. I don't know why. I'm thinking of a black lab. I yeah. don't know why either. Okay, just um, whatever. Okay, so, uh, oh, here we go. So now the police are searching for Steven. Yes. Finally, after two days of trying to find Grant, the police were able to track his cell phone over 200 miles away. He was found about three miles from the truck, no shoes, hardly any clothes, huddled under a tree, nearly frozen to death. Was his dog there? No. Oh. They were able to airlift him to the nearest hospital where Uh he was treated for hypothermia. Wow. He told the police that he took a ton of pills and chased them with alcohol. Was it bath salts? No. (laughs) And chased it with a bottle of alcohol. He planned on committing suicide, but... Was not successful. Wow. He said once the search warrant was issued, he knew it was all over. Yeah. So, what do you think? Oh. True crime or I plot don't, of a movie? I don't like this. Like, I like being the person who pulls practical jokes on others, but I absolutely hate practical jokes being pulled on me, and I feel like I'm in that scenario. Oh, this is interesting. I think it's, I think it's true. It's true. <laughs> yes. Yay. I feel like I gave, well, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, I probably gave away too many, like, date details. That's okay, though. That's okay. Because my first one, be nice. You did great. Thank that's, you. That's. So I have a lot more to share. You do? Okay. Because yes. I, I want to hear more. Okay. So, yes, this is true crime. Uh, yes. Good job. Okay. <laughs> um, and I do want to tell you that that company she worked for, um, based out of Idaho. Yeah. And they had 25,000 employees working for them. Wow. Yeah. And in 2007 they sold to a USR Corporation of San Francisco in November 2007 for mm-hmm. what? 3.1 billion dollars. Are they hiring? Let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, this true crime story came from my neck of the woods. Oh. It was in Michigan. No way. Yes. This was okay. like the biggest scandal like in 2007, like because of the whole nanny thing. And there was rumors Jeez. that like he poked holes in her wall, like so he could peek on her. Yeah. It was like wow. a thing. So. I wonder if there's a Lifetime movie made about it or something. Could be. There could be. Seriously. So I have some more to share. Okay. So this true crime crime came from my neck of the woods. It was Washington Township in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And the park where he put her remains is Stony Creek, which is a park my family and I visited frequently. Are you serious? Yeah. And I just went there this summer. Like, it's crazy. When you visited recently? Yeah. Holy it's shit. It's just so weird to think about that. So Stephen is now in custody of the police. Stephen mm-hmm. begins his confession with details from February 9th, 2007, mm-hmm. Tara came home from Puerto Rico, but she tells him he has she has to go back. 
um, that Monday morning. Right, right, yes. where we left off yes. at that part, yeah. Stephen tells the police that she beca- or he became upset and they began to argue. Stephen <sighs> then accused Tara of having an affair with oh, one of her co-workers. But meanwhile, he was the one mm-hmm. fucking the babysitter. Mm-hmm. Which makes Tara furious. Yeah, of course. So she slaps him. Good. Yeah. And that's when things get escalated. And these get are it. all him saying to the on the police report. This like, is his account. Yes. Obviously. Um, <clears throat> he admits he hit her back. Well, his hit caused her to fall and bang her head on the floor. Hmm. And according to a news article, the Daily Crime, mm-hmm. she said something along the lines of, and I'm going to cuss. Mm. Ooh. Oh, that's- <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're sitting down. Joanna's cuss count. One. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'm going to take the kids. You are going to be fucking homeless. You're a piece of shit. Wow. Now, at this point, Stephen loses it. Because, I mean, he's been taking Damn. care of the children. I imagine her. I could just picture the whole scene. Her yeah. smacking him. That's yeah. fucking it. I'm yeah. taking the kids and you're homeless. Fuck you. Yeah. And then he, oh. I mean, I would be furious. I've been taking care of your dang children. But he has been taking care of the kids for their whole life. Yes. I get it. But uh, this, is a to- this is toxic. It is. The whole thing. Okay, so he loses it. And after all those years of arguing and being left home alone with the children, he began to strangle his wife. Wow. It lasted about four to five minutes. Of strangulation? Yes. He said at one point he knew it was too late and he couldn't stop because he was going to go to jail no matter what. He crossed the line. Yeah. In a written confession, in which I read the confession, Ooh. it was a little hard to read. It was two and a half pages. Mm-hmm. And some of it was a little hard to read. So hopefully I get most of this right. Excuse me. He said he grabbed a belt, wrapped it around her neck, and pulled her down the stairs. A what? Yep. All of this happened while their two young children, four and six, were sleeping. What? He put her in a Tupperware bin and put her in the back of their SUV. His what SUV, I think. What the hell? Yep. The next morning, he takes her body to his father's shop where he be- starts to dismember her. Wow. I hate that word. I don't Using know why. the tools that is. Yep. Mm. Yep. In his confession, he said he remembers how stiff her body was. Ew. And he had to use two different tools to cut up her body. Ew. He didn't know about rigor mortis, nope. apparently. And it was cold. Ew. <clears throat> um, he put her bag piece by piece in plastic bags. In an article I was reading, he used his. <laughs> Children's sled to move the body parts. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> because this next part is just like, if you're watching this in the movie, if it were a movie, you'd be uh-huh. like, you idiot. So, like, these- I, pi- like I picture a kid's, yeah. I, okay, yes, we live in Florida. Joanna's from Michigan. That is well established. When I was a child, I lived in Pennsylvania until I was 12 years old. So I remember sledding yeah. and going on my, like, little plastic sled. Yep, okay. But yeah. that's just not a fun, I don't want to yeah, connect I'm picturing, those. I'm picturing, like, the round saucer. I'm picturing the, like, one person that you lay on your belly and hold on. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Either way, it's horrible. Yes. So he goes into the wooded area behind his house, which has a small downward hill. Okay. Um, And something unexpected happened. The sled took off without him. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) And he's chasing it down, and body parts are just flying off. And this is in his police report? Yes. And he told them all this? And he has to go and grab everything. Holy shit. Yes, he told this to the the police, the the detectives. Right. So, Stephen started spreading the body parts all over the wooded area. Oh. He was hoping that the wildlife would find it first. Yeah, before that makes sense. anybody did. But if they're in plastic bags. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And the reason why the torso was in the garage uh-huh. 
um, was because he didn't feel that he hid it well enough and he was afraid somebody would find it. He said, and I quote, I did a very, very bad job of hiding anything. It was right out there in the open. Well, Steven, yeah. dig a hole. Steven. <laughs> Steven. No, that's a very bad job. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He, I mean, it wasn't obviously, he didn't plan on killing his wife that night. But I it was like a crime of passion. Of Is moment. that what it's called? Yeah. A cri- or He was angry. All right. All right. Um, so, let me think. Uh, that's why the torso was there. Then, when Stephen found out that the, t- the police had obtained a search warrant, he knew it was over. Yeah. So, he thought, it's now or never. Once the police showed up at his house, he, t- he took off. Yeah, he and did. Since he wasn't under arrest, the police couldn't stop him. Jeez. So, he got in the truck and drove north. And he ended up at the Wilderness State Park, which, if you're looking at your hand, because, <laughs> you know, the state... Michigan is Michigan. Your, okay, hold on, hold on. You got to hold up your, your left, left hand. hand. Your thumb of your left hand is the the palm what? facing out. Yeah, palm facing out, and your thumb is what part of Michigan? So, like, the thumb is a part of Michigan. All of it is Michigan. I, people refer to the state as your hand. I want yes. our listeners to understand. So, I grew up like at the knuckle below. Actually, where this happened was like the knuckle <laughs> below your thumb. <laughs> She's pointing to her thumb like it's an actual map, and that it is. It is. It is. If you know, okay. you know. And he was found, like, at the tip of the middle finger, off, just oh. off to the right. So yeah. while you were – I can't stop thinking about this. While you were home from college yeah. or whatever, this was at happening. your parents' house, yeah. this was happening nearby. There was a nearby. murder happening. And dead body parts in a park that you yes. had frequented. And I just remember, like, they're saying – You could have walked through. Oh, I could have found it. You could have found it. So so creepy. Yeah. Anyways. Um, while he was driving, he was popping pills and drinking heavily. Okay. Stephen claimed he planned on dying in the woods. Yeah. When they finally found Stephen two days later, it was 14 degrees. 14. Holy That's crap. cold. Yeah. They found him hunched over, hardly wearing anything. Yeah. He was airlifted to the hospital where he was. they rescued him, and now he's being held accountable for Tara's murder. Right. The trial lasted just a few weeks, and on fe- Friday, December 21st, 2007, Stephen Grant was found guilty of murder in the second degree. Second degree. Second. The prosecution wanted him to be charged with first degree. Right. But after weeks of testimony, the jury, they said they couldn't come up with a unanimous decision that it was premeditated. Yeah. First degree is premeditated. Yes. Second degree is like, you did it. Yeah. But like, it, it wasn't was an like accident. on the spot. No. Did and it on, I think manslaughter yeah. is when it's... An accident. Kind of, yeah. in a way. Okay. Yes. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Second degree murder. Mm-hmm. For how long? I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, during the trial, Verena testified. That bitch. Well, I, I don't well, know why I'm blaming her. I'm sorry. She was the innocent little 19-year-old. Yeah, you're right. She was vulnerable, and she was naive, and she was from a different country. And I'm sorry. The wife's not home, and right. she's taking care she of the She was probably children. manipulated by this 30-something-year-old yes. man. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But she did admit to falling in love with him. Oh. <laughs> After you just got done defending her. That's sad. Yes. And she didn't believe he actually killed his wife until he admitted to it on the phone. Yeah. This is Chris Watts all over again. And Lacey Peterson. Oh, yes. Um, They had to hide their relationship because she was afraid the police would think she had something to do with it. Of course. Yes. And here's the sick part. What? The night before the murder, the two shared a bed together. Oh. And his two young children walked in. And? And that's... (sighs) Yeah. I mean, they were too young. The one I'm, I'm going to give you more six, yeah. information about the little Jeez, girl and boy. Poor I mean, babies. obviously they're older. Yeah, right. Um, but after everything was said and done, she had nothing to do with the murder. Jeez, the judge. And I this, believe that. Uh-huh. 
for sure. The judge in the case called Stephen Grant's actions demonic, barbaric, yeah. and dishonest. I love judges' final statements mm-hmm. on murder trials because mm-hmm. they are they go in mm-hmm. on them. Okay. Yep. So Stephen Grant was sentenced to 50 to 80 years in prison for the second-degree murder charge with an additional 6 to 10 years of mutilation. Oh, because really? Yes. Wow. So it's separate charges. Yes, but they're going to run like back to back. Right. So like when he's done, if he gets the the minimum of 50, he still has to do another. Yeah. I mean, he'll be like 90 some years old when he gets out, if he gets out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. Stephen was an extremely jealous man who could not stand his wife's success. And because of this jealousy, he took advantage of the 19 year old. Yeah, he did. It's just, it's so crazy. Because like, I remember just talking about this with my friends and just. Did you know about this at the time? Mm-hmm. Oh, because when so they found it in the park, I mean, it was like what in March they found the yeah, body part, and she would have been close to your age, just a couple years younger than you. The not the wife, but Verena was a couple years younger than you at that time. Yes, and so you and your friends knew about. Oh, maybe she wow. went out. Maybe her and I went out one night, and I didn't even know it. You might have been at the same bar. It could have been. Holy crap! Do they let? What? Nannies out at bars? Do they don't go to bars? Oh, come on. They get nights, <laughs> they get nights off. They get time off. Um, okay. Now I want to share a little bit about Tara. Yes, please. Yes. She oh, was, wow. She was described as beautiful, ambitious, popular, smart, and a perfectionist. Aw. Yes. She was very social and would talk to just about anyone. Even one of her elementary school teachers wrote on her report card, talks too much. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> one of our teachers even tried to reward her with some gum if she made it through the day without being so chatty. <laughs> and then she became a badass executive. Yeah. Okay. Um, her and her sister had a wonderful relationship. Aww. Uh, they would go roller skating, bike rides, and go on many adventures. They would go horseback riding and take care of the horses. And she was really into that 4-H club and just was yeah. well-liked. That's cool. Yes. Um, I didn't really find much on Steven, but I really didn't try. Yeah, I don't okay. blame you. <laughs> Steven, you suck. But the, one one article said that he was just described as an average looking person. Good for him. A medium ugly guy. Yeah. Like you could, <laughs> if you're not happy in your marriage, you mm-hmm. can just leave. End yeah. it. There's no need to murder someone and drag them down the stairs with a belt well, tied around their neck. neck. That's insane. Yes. Okay. So now the grandchildren, mm-hmm. who I was couldn't figure out if they have Tara's maiden last name or if it was Tara's sister's last name because they were so young at the time. I don't know if they just adopted them and took her. Oh, did she, did they go live with her sister? Oh. Yes. I was just going to read that part. Okay, go ahead. They were just six and four years old when her mother, when their mother was murdered and they ended up moving to Ohio where Tara's sister, Alicia, and her husband live. Okay. Now every year, the children head back to Michigan where friends and family organize a 5K run to help raise awareness for domestic violence. Oh, good for them. They've been doing it for many years. So, Lindsay Standerford, I'm Standerfer, okay, is now 21 or 22. The article what I was reading um, was from October 2021. Okay. So, I don't know, you know, when her birthday was. Yeah. She is currently a student at Ohio State University, and she's studying to be a pediatric psychologist. The daughter is? Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yep. See, badass like her mother. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. This is a quote from the article. I kind of wanted to go into psychology for a while. And when I was picking a field in psychology, because there's a lot, I was like, you know, I want to work with kids because that was the most impactful time that I had working with psychologists. Yes. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, 
after everything had happened with my mother, she said, and she said she wants to work with children who have gone through something traumatic because she will be able to relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. She also said she has no desire to talk to Steven. Really? I was wondering if they talked to their dad at all. This was was really interesting because it was a video I was watching. It says she has already created her closure and doesn't need him for that. (sighs) Right? Wow. I'm impressed. Good for her. Yeah. Right. So Ian... Um, is the younger brother. Yeah. He just finished up his freshman year in college in Wisconsin. He says he also, um, he doesn't have much memory of the events because he's only four. Right. But he of said, course. like, bits and pieces, he remembers. He, too, does not want anything to do with Stephen. And there was no hmm. point because he's happy with his family. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't blame them for wanting to have a relationship or at least talk to their mm-hmm. dad. I don't know. I think on some level. But I am very impressed that her sister took them in, and mm-hmm. they seem like they're doing good. Yeah, and they're beautiful children. Oh. She, I saw their the video, and it's really nice. Yeah, and they're young right now. Young yeah. 20s, maybe? Uh, eight. Uh, what did I say? Steven was finishing up his freshman year in college, so yeah. 18, 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she's 21, 22, but okay. yeah. So Steven won't be up for parole until I think it was 85, I think. Until he's 85. Yeah, not 2085. No. <laughs> I thought I put the date in here, but. No, that's okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So, Stephen, lock, sure lock not, him yeah. up. Keep him away. I'm sure, you're not listening, but. You. Hmm. Should, Joanna just flicked <laughs> off the mic, so that's two on your cuss count. <laughs> that's insane. And I do wonder if prisoners, don't they have access to the internet? They have listen, to. Feel. Listen, we put these questions out there every now and then for listeners we actually got an answer on one to throw Uh -uh. it back when we were talking about the bank episode with cheshire oh yes cheshire not the cat i think that was episode nine um one of our listeners who is also one of our podcast buddies they have their own show that i shouted out coincidentally in this episode she wrote back that she worked at a bank or works at a bank, sorry if I'm saying it wrong, and that there are emergency buttons that the tellers have at each spot, which I think we kind of knew, yes. but we were curious about microphones and cameras, and she filled me in on some stuff, so it was pretty interesting. Hmm. So on that note, if you work at a prison, at a prison <laughs> how much internet access do these assholes have? I want to know. I feel like, I mean, they, they get snuck stuff all the time. If Mike the Situation is listening... <laughs> <laughs> he was in a luxury prison, okay? Can you reach out to tag him? Tag the situation. We love him. Both of us, right? Yes, we love 100%. him. 100%. What, what, did you have internet? Like, what was going on in there? I feel like he did. He had to have. I don't know how it works in prison. It was, it thankfully. Was, like I said, a luxury prison. I think the guy from Fire Island was on there. Oh, that's right. I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name, but he deserves to be in prison for what he did on that shit. all those people over. Joanna, you did a phenomenal job. Thank you. I am so proud. That story was crazy. And you've been holding on to that shit for 20 years almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah. 15 years. So hopefully if you're still listening, please be nice. <laughs> this Shout was out hard. Joanna. You did great. Because I wrote it and then I didn't do like the bullets. So I lost my place a lot. And Hey, I'm, I'm very proud. I loved it. You did great. Now you have to do another one. <laughs> In two months. <laughs> Give her a month and she'll do another month or two. She'll do another one. Um, okay. You were asking me about Chris Watts. Yes. So I want to give a little rundown. And I know a lot of our listeners do know about Chris Watts, but there's a lot of you that may not. So I I think this is, it's a really sad story. So Joanna, I'll give you like a quick overview of the situation. Okay. So 
I don't remember. Oh, Shanann was the wife, Shanann Watts. She was very active on Facebook. I think she was selling Thrive, the patches. I know, because it's MLM. But forgive her, it was years back when we were all doing that. You know, everyone was like into that kind of stuff. I think I even tried. I know, we did. I know you're not wanting to say it. We did do try Thrive. And I believe Shanann was selling Thrive. Anyway, she was very active on Facebook, had two beautiful daughters, was pregnant, and her husband, Chris, they were a beautiful couple. Like, if you look at a picture, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, beautiful husband, they love each other, boom, right? Is this in Florida? I don't think it was in Florida, but I, I'm sorry, I don't know off the top I of my head. Like I feel like I've heard so. this story now. You had to have heard this story. So what happened was one day Chris came home from work or something in the morning a neighbor called him saying that Shanann wasn't there. She was supposed to meet a friend. Wasn't there. Nowhere to be seen. Chris comes home, calls the cops. This is what made me think of it. He called the cops and was like, my wife's not here. My girls aren't here. Even their blankies, you know, like I her did. purse was left. Her yeah. phone's here, but she's not. And there's video footage of this that I've seen. The cops came with cameras. I don't know if it was on their, their body bo- yeah, body cams or what. And come to find out at the end. He had murdered his wife and his two daughters and put their bodies in like a water tower at a work location from one of his jobs. And it is the saddest, most depressing. And he had a mistress and like the whole thing. And he is in jail right now. I feel like there's always the mistress. Yeah. Whenever there's like a killing. Yeah. And she was pregnant with a third child. (sighs) His wife. And she, it, it was just like. He was done with her. He wanted to start over. And he even tried, he even came up with stories saying that, like, saying that she was trying to hurt him or hurt the kids. I'm sorry, that she was trying to kill the kids. So he killed her out of defending the kids. But then why he made that up? Oh, he made that up. Yeah, that was totally fake. He's a piece of garbage. But then if he killed his wife to protect the kids and that story doesn't make any sense because then why would he kill his kids it does it make no you're right it makes no sense or maybe he claimed that she killed the kids and so he killed her mm. something like that either way he it's all lies he did it all and he's disgusting but that story reminded me of chris watts a lot hmm. and then the lacey peterson story which is another one say you know he had a friggin mistress on the side and she recorded calls with him to try to catch him because he killed his pregnant wife or did he? That's actually not. It's actually one of those where it's like we don't unsolved. Know. Or people have different theories on whether mm. or not he's guilty. Yeah, it's wild. Anyway, so you got uh, you got a Joanna story and you got a mini Chris Watts story. <laughs> yes, a twofer. A twofer, as you like to call it. As I like to call it. Well, thank you guys. This was awesome, Joanna. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yes, guys, blow her up. Give her all the love that she deserves from that. Stop checking your email. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Give her all the love. She deserves it. Um, reach out to us on Instagram. We're at sweating. Not <laughs> so at sweating. Nervous. I was so reach nervous. out to us on Instagram. Where are we at? Uh, live, laugh, murder, pod, cast. cast. Or our Gmail is live, laugh, murder, pod, pod at Gmail. Yeah, at gmail.com. Or on Patreon at patreon.com slash live, laugh, murder podcast. And before we go, I want to shout out a couple of our podcast buddies that I'm obsessed with. So on our last episode, you heard a trailer from Creme de la Crime, 
which is Sam, who I adore you, Sam. I love you and you know this. Sam tells really great missing person stories. And what she's doing is she's going through the 50 states in alphabetical order. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. She did a Florida one and she tells typically two stories of two missing people or victims of of violent crimes. And she's very respectful and she's killing it. She's awesome. Love it. So creme de la creme. And then on today's episode, you would have heard an ad by, (laughs) listen to this, Joanna, Evil Pudding. Oh. (laughs) And they're, they are a phenomenal podcast. It's a couple, a husband and wife, and the husband is a retired police officer. Okay. And that's Pat. And then Courtney, the wife, tells Pat a story. And she it's cute because she tries to kind of get him to itch his skin or whatever, however you say it. But he's seen and done it all. I mean, yeah, he's an officer. Not in- done it all. Sorry, Pat. Seen it all. Um, and they have a great banter and they're great. So. We love our podcast buddies. Thank you for supporting us. But anyway, if you're still here, we love you. Love you. And remember, too, we haven't said this in a few episodes. Live, laugh. Do not. But never. Not even once. No. Never murder. Murder. Goodbye. Love you.